Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we are going to reconvene our ACB Board of Directors meeting for the DC Leadership Conference. Uh, and uh, I heard Nancy's voice. So she's our first person up to finish out the staff reports. Uh, and so, Nancy, take it away. Well, thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to give my report and then David will give the financial narrative. So if you guys have anything that's pertaining to financials, maybe we can just wait till David gets done. Mm -hmm. And then if David doesn't answer those, then you can ask me that after he gets done. But the first thing I would like to talk about is our Blair Trust Fund. In August of 2018, ACB was notified that we would be receiving a distribution from Thomas Blair Trust. Mr. Blair amended the terms of his trust several times over many years, and when ACB received the original trust information in August of 18, along with the amendments, the terms of the trust were unclear, so ACB engaged Lathrop GPM to assist us in obtaining a clarification on the distribution percentages. In November of 2020, ACB was notified that all parties had signed and agreed to the trust distribution percentages. In December, uh, in December, ACB received $311,806 from the Blair Trust. Per ACB's legacy endowment policy, the funds in the reserve account needs to be 100% of the 2020 approved budget expenses from operations. So based on this, $101,452 needed to be added to the reserve account before allocating the remaining funds between the legacy and the reserve accounts. The, rema the remaining allocation to the reserve account was $57,581 and the legacy account was allocated $172,773. So in total, the amount that was added to the reserve account, so it would be first the, um, the initial uh, money that was put into the reserve account to bring it up to where it was supposed to be for the um, budgeted expenses, plus the remaining allocation, those two together um, totaled 159033 sorry, $159,033. And the legacy account received $172,773. Anybody have any questions on the Blair Trust to start with? Okay, thank you. The next one is AMMS update. So I'm going to give a little bit more information um, besides the two fields that were added. So the AMMS stands for Affiliate Member Management System, and that's how we do our certification for our membership every year. So the state and special interest affiliate member records <coughs> persons should have or will soon be reaching out to members verifying their membership information. This information will be provided to our offices through AMMS until March 15th. And then our office will, offices will need a couple of days to add these updates into our database. So we would like to thank those responsible for updating their membership management system for starting earlier this year, because then we don't get overloaded with updates in the last week. Um, from March 20th to the 31st, the membership records person should review their membership list to AMMS. And then once it's verified, it should be submitted. So just a reminder 
The number of members certified at this time will determine how many votes your affiliate will receive at elections at the national convention. Then from April 1st to April 15th, our offices will be updating our database with this information and the membership number and payment amount will be emailed to the affiliate's president and AMMS user. Payment of members' dues from the affiliates need to be remitted to our office before or on April 30th. So in November of 2020, there was a resolution that was passed to carry out an ACB census so we can better understand the diversity of our organization and to incorporate it into the membership certification process. This information can also be used to assist in making good business decisions and provide ACB with statistics that can be used when applying for future grants. So ACB is trying to capture our members' gender and race slash ethnicity, either through the certification process or individually. So while we do want to capture this information on our members, no one is required to provide it. The affiliate membership records person may be contacting you to see if you would like to provide this information. And this information should be obtained directly from the member and should only be added in AMMS if they have given approval to add it. If a member prefers to update their own information instead of providing it to their membership records person, they can do this by logging into their member account at members.acb.org and update their profile. If you haven't created an ACB account yet, you can complete the profile information when creating an account. So what are the options right now for gender and race or ethnicity? So the gender options are female, I identify as a female, male, I identify as a male, non-binary, other, and I prefer not to answer. The race ethnicity options are Asian, Black or African American, Hispanic or Latino, Middle Eastern or North African, multiracial and multiethnic, Native American or Alaska Native, Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander, South Asian, white, which is Anglo slash Caucasian, other, and I prefer not to answer. Please know that we are trying to capture this information so we can better understand who our members are. But if you are not comfortable or do not want to provide this information, you do not need to. Um, Just as a side note, one of the other things that we are trying to work on is merging our information from our database, convention, and now our membership site. So just so you know, there are thousands of individuals, and we need to determine what profile information is the most current and keep this. This project is very time-consuming, but it is our hope that in the end, we will only have the members.acb.org site and we'll have accurate information. So I could give an example of this. I'll just give an example that um, could have happened to me. So as most of you guys know, I have a hyphenated last name. So I could have gone into the convention and signed up as Nancy Becker. I could be on the member site as Nancy Marks Becker, and I could be in the database as Nancy Marks. So we have to actually go look at all three of these sites and determine which one is the most current and accurate, and then merge them together. 
So we have, oh gosh, what was it? Look, I think we have about 30,000 people in our database. So this thing is going to be very, very, very time consuming, but I'm hoping that when we get done with it, we will have, um, people will have easier access to the information that they need. And then part of that, Nancy, part of that, I'm sorry, part of that is just the challenge of going to one master database. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And hopefully when we get to the one master uh, master database, that someone who logs into the member's site, if they are a student, they could, they could fill out a scholarship application. If they wanted to go to the convention, they could register for the convention once they logged in. If they wanted to join or renew their membership with ACB as a member at large, they could do that too. So it's, it's limited right now what's in there, but we're hoping that as we get everything merged that we can grow um, the options that what people can see in there. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. And then last is the scholarship process. So the scholarship application process opened early in November of 2020 and it closed last Monday. The scholarship information was on ACB's site, AFB's site, and VisionServe Alliance's website. We have also communicated this information, like Kelly said, in dots and dashes to the blindness schools, and we've had community event on how to fill out the application. There were over 270 individuals who started an application, and 156 applications have been submitted right now. So um, the scholarship chair is reviewing these applications, and it's assigning them to the subcommittees. Then the subcommittees will be scoring, interviewing the applicants, and selecting the scholarship winners in early May. I don't know that there have been this many people have submitted this many applications before. So this is, this is huge. That's it, Dan. Oh, thank you. You want to hold questions until after David's narrative? Is that what you're if it's if it's if it's if it's to like the Blair, Tr- Blair Trust, the MMS, or the scholarships, they can ask it now. But if it has something to do with maybe um, funds or financial, if we can hold it till after David gets done, because okay. I think David might answer some of those questions. All right. Any questions? And, and I will say one thing, just a, a little bit of a clarification on with uh, Nancy's report. The um, excuse me, the resolution was passed at the board meeting at the end of August, but we then worked to define the two additional fields and the values for those fields and worked with the Multicultural Affairs Committee and got that approved in November that everybody was in sync before we released it for the programmers to do their work. So, good. All right. Any questions for Nancy? I think everybody's on mute. Yeah. You're taking a nap. <laughs> Up there, Eric's not. I, I just want to also say it, that is an amazing news related to the scholarships with this joint uh, initiative we've got with American Foundation of uh, for the Blind and ACB and all the work we did for communications and, and publica- publicity. Just, you know, kudos to the scholarships committee. That's, that's fantastic news. It, Dan, this is Donna. Can I? Yeah, say? sure, Donna. Yeah, I heard the podcast of, I didn't get to listen to the live when the scholarship committee did the um, community call. Yeah. And I, 
it, it was very impressive. I really um, commend that committee. And, and it was so nice to hear so many scholarship applicants on there, you know, asking really good questions. And anyway, I just think it was a, a very good call and hopefully we'll continue something like that in years to come. And we did, I think it's a live, Eric can speak this, but I think Kelly, I think it was a live stream and it was part of the advocacy update. And yeah, the so there were, there, were, there were two events. So yeah. there was a community event that I think Donna might be referring right. to. Right, and I did hear that the, um, ad, the, the advocacy, advocacy one too. Yeah, okay, cool, yeah. So so Rebecca uh, Bridges, some, some may say I know her, um, <laughs> she, she uh, and Nancy did a uh, kind of like a town hall of sorts of, you know, here's, here's the process, here's how you do it. But then they took a lot of questions and um, a lot of great questions from applicants really that were was. going through the process. And then in addition to that community event, there was the live streaming of the advocacy, um, ACB advocacy update um, that was on video as well as um, they, they took the audio from the video and made it into the podcast for the week. So, and that was an interview with Rebecca and I believe two scholarship winners, the Clark did. Um, so it was, it was really cool. Um, first time we've ever done a, a live streamed, you know, video uh, for the advocacy update. Yep. Um, there's this, there's probably no way to, under, to know, <laughs> the answer to this, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Uh, 150 something people submitted applications out of 272. That means 116 people didn't finish their applications for whatever reason. I'm, I'm concerned about that because I, I, you know, I I wish there was a way we could find out why people aren't finishing their applications. Is it, or did did they find, Oh, I don't meet the requirements. Uh, What is it? That, that seems like a lot of people who start the process, but, but don't finish. And so, so Ray, I wonder, I think some of it is that they start the process and then they just get caught up in other things that they're doing and they just Mm. don't finish it. There's, I can look in there and I can see that they've started it. They've gotten some of their documents put in there and then they just don't do anymore. And I will let you know that we have sent, we did also send email reminders out to anybody who started yeah. the application. So we did it, I think it was probably okay. January, February, early yeah. February. January, and, then February. Yeah. and then I did two times last weekend just to make sure that they knew that it was closing on the 15th. That, that's good. I'm glad that we at least tried to reach out to them and, uh, and that because we certainly wouldn't want to miss anybody that you know might be interested in our scholarships and need some help with, uh, with the schooling. So, uh, uh, and then we always, we're doing that. We always try to follow up with them. And uh, I think another big problem is it's getting all of the documents in that we require. That seems to be the thing that ca- catches them up. Mm-hmm. So, so this is Jeff. And I, this may be a stupid question because I'm not the person who gathers the data for the AMMS system for my affiliate. But um, given that my affiliate, like many, have collected most of our dues and data already, has there been any thought to having like a template that um, that the affiliate could send to their members saying, you know, this is a voluntary form if you would like to fill it out and give us your you know, gender identity uh, and racial ethnicity data, we will 
send it back and have it filled in or is this just not feasible or doable or, or what? I don't know. Um, you know, Jeff, we could do a form, but we could also just refer them to the ACB's um, membership page. That way you guys would not have to fill out any information. It would simply go into our donor database and the person. Who's yeah, but how many, but um, how many people really are going to, you know, go into their end of the website and do that? I, I, I just, I just threw that out. I don't know. Okay. So you're, you're looking for a form for the well, to send out. I think you might have a better, okay. if, if we're really looking for a way of having a better return rate this year, and maybe we don't care. Maybe we'll just wait till next year when it's really implemented. But, but if you really wanted to have a way of getting a better return rate, that might be a way to do it. Okay. We'll look into that. Thanks for the idea. This is Doug. I, um, I know you've mentioned that before, but I, I, you know, today when you just mentioned going into and, and you know, setting up your profile and stuff like that, it's like I heard it for new, you know, new. Um, so I'm, I, maybe I'm just out of it and don't read my emails, but uh, I'm wondering if we could do more in the outreach uh, to, you know, to say, you know, look, uh, set up your profile once and then, you, you know, anything you want to do with ACB from contributions to uh, signing up for the leadership conference to, you know, signing up for the virtual convention, you know, all of that stuff is uh, right there for you and, and, you know, simplifies your registration process. So, Doug, we, we are going to be putting something out right now. We have about a, a I would say about a thousand records that we need to um, link the record to our database. And once we get that done, then we're going to send, send something out to our members so that they can go ahead and try to create their own, um, <clears throat> their own um, member record. <laughs> so we do plan on doing that. We just need to get some cleaning up and linking done from the membership page to our donor database. Great. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you, Nancy. Stand by. And then we'll uh, next uh, call on uh, uh, David Trott, our ACB treasurer, for item number nine on the agenda, which is a 2020 financial narrative. So, David, I heard you log off and log back on. So, I assume you're now in proper reading position and ready to go. Well, actually, I'm not sure. My earphone kept knocking me off. So, I hope you can hear me okay. Oh, you Once sound I great. start reading, my paper great. will be in my face. So, yeah, you sound very good, David. Okay, uh, I'm the historian of the bunch. Everybody's talking to you about what's going on new. I'm going to talk to you about what happened last year. <laughs> and, and actually, probably the most two surprised people here today is me and Dan. That's right, so, David. <laughs> and excited. Yes. So here we go, folks. American Council of the Blind, tw- uh, December 31st, 2020. Unaudited financial statement. 2020 was an extremely challenging and transformative year for ACB. Early in the year, the coronavirus dramatically affected how ACB was conducting business, but it also enabled us to reach out to many more community members than we had in the past. ACB 
overall net profit was $284,161. Budgeted was minus $237,439. David, can you repeat that one more time? Which one? (laughs) Both of those numbers. Okay. (laughs) We we actually had a profit of $284,161, and we had budgeted a negative $237,439. That's a half a million dollar uh, improvement over our budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, our revenue 18. was $1,607,525, $1, but the budgeted revenue was $1,348,548. Expenses were one million six hundred and uh, I'm sorry, $1,765,025. A budgeted expenses was $1,794,487. Net operating loss of $157,500, but we budgeted an operating loss of $453,939. Actual unrealized gains, $228,053. Convention profit, $213,608 with a budgeted profit of $216,500. ACB was the beneficiary of the Thomas Blair estate, and after collaborating with other beneficiaries, a consensus was reached on the disbursement proceedings of the funds, and in December, ACB received around $330,000. Of course, we know it was... It was actually less than that, but it was only a few thousand dollars less. So that's where we are. Uh, the funds was allocated to the legacy and reserve investment fund according to the budget, uh, to the board approved legacy endowment policy. Okay. Changing pages, folks. I've only got 12 more. <laughs> uh-huh. Of course, there's 24 points. Corporate giving programs such as creating a healthier communities, combined federal campaign, and United Way increased significantly. In the last, uh, yeah, in the last couple of years, ACB completed applications for these campaigns, where it, which made eligibility requirements we met. And the return in more individual giving throughout the programs. ACB radio team moved uh, server in- interface to Azure. This uh, the podcast feeds to a platform that made it easier for users to find them, and the team was also instrumental in the success of, uh, I'm sorry, (laughs) the team was also instrumental in the success of many state affiliate conventions. ADP received two grants, which were for the Describe Six and uh, 
designing of the audio description certification strat, uh, standards. A successful description six was held in April 2020, and the ADP committee is working on designing the certification process. The audio description project was only able to hold one training session in 2020, so revenue for the ADP conference and institute programs were below budget. However, the first virtual ADP Institute will be held in early March of this year. Individual donations, along with ACB's fundraisers, such as the auctions, walk, raffle, MMS, and many mile purchases, were above budget. The increase occurred because ACB was able to reach out to many more individuals that, than we had in the past during the convention and through our community events. ACB has been implementing and organizing an organization, I get it out in a minute, an organizing system which is guiding us in creating a healthier, stronger organizational and in organization and enabling ACBs to achieve powerful results. Software was added that has helped our organization to have to be more effective wherever we are in the office or working remotely. As a result, software costs were higher than budget. Wages and benefits were slightly above budget. The development of director position was budgeted, but to ensure a smooth transaction of information from our contractor to the staff person, it was necessary for them to work together for a period of time. The open HR position was temporarily filled through a temp agency, but the position was successfully transacted over to the staff. ACB had a membership intern on staff from September to December, and we received funding for this from Rehabilitation Agency. In the future, ACB will continue providing internships so that the, the intern can develop skills they need for their career and some of these internships will be paid directly by the state and others will be reimbursed to ACB by the agency. Legal fees were higher than budgeted because ACB engaged attorneys to negotiate on ACB's behalf on the interpretation of the trust fund terms where ACB was named as one of the beneficiaries. Legal fees were also 
for negotiating the cancellation of the Schomburg contract for the convention without a penalty and for the uh, code of conduct, which was approved in 2020. Early in 2020, ACB's contract contracted with an AT firm to provide help with technology issues. In, in the past, staff members spent significant amounts of time trying to resolve these issues. But, um, ourselves. But having IT resources has been a tremendous benefit. ACB has contracted uh, contractor program for our affiliate members management system, our new membership page, and the convention site. The IT contract was part of the budget as IT fees were higher than budgeted. ACB engaged with a consulting firm to conduct an analysis of ACB's communications, messaging, channels, audience, and internal process. The communications plan defines strategies to significantly give ACB's network over the next five years. And ACB is in the process of implementing these recommendations. Actual costs associated with this contract were higher than estimated when the budget was approved. The stock market fluctuated in 2020 were significant. Early in the year, ACB stock market, uh, ACB stock, I'm sorry, let me start again. Early in the year, the stock market dropped significantly and ACB had a significant loss in our investments at that time. By end of year, investments recovered and had overall realized and unrealized gains to our investment accounts. ACB's investment policy was set up for our portfolios were value-based, and this tends to pay higher dividends. At year end, the rate of return on our investments accounts ranged from 9.2 to 12.7%. This is actually excellent right there. It was great work by our team. ACB's convention was virtual in 2020. The convention continued to attract those who had attended many conventions before, but also drew many individuals who had never been to a convention. ACB is grateful for the opportunity. Um, I'm sorry, grateful to the corporations and individuals who continue to support 
us. Holding a virtual convention enabled many individuals to attend um, continuing, oh, I'm sorry, enabled us to, to uh, many individuals to attend continuing education sessions so they could earn credit. Oh, I see what's happening. My page is bleeping. So sorry, folks. Now I'll get it. <laughs> For recertification, this was $4,655, and it's anticipated to grow in, in future years. ACB's thrift stores had a challenging year. In April, both stores were required to close, and sales were short slow when they reopened in May. The stores were closed close to meeting their monthly sales goals by the end of the year. The thrift stores contributed about $110,000 to ACB in 2020. ACB and ACBES received the first round of PPP loans, which provided cash needed to pay for operating expenses. The funds will not be included in the income statement until the loans are forgiven. The loan forgiveness applications have been completed and we expect to receive an answer in a couple of months. ACB and ACBES applied for the second round of PPP loans. ACBES received theirs last week, and ACB's application is still in process. And other than thanking all of you from everybody that uh, participates in the community calls, everybody that's donated, you have, for the first time in many years, made a very, very significant part of this budget happen. Without you, we would have been where Dan and I thought we were. So thank you to everybody and especially all the committee members who work to make it happen. And that's all my report. All right. Excellent report, David. Um, and I would uh, love to entertain questions from the board. Any questions about our financial narrative? That's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I'm very David, excited about the. Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Go ahead. I just wanted to reconfirm. We did get a PPP loan for. What was the amount again? Um, Nancy, do you know? Right which, off the top of your head? which which one, Kim? <laughs> which one, Kim? Yeah. The most recent for, one, Kim. For this year, yeah. Did we, okay. or is that still pending? Yeah. So. ACBs is still pending. Okay. ACBE. Ah, so I got to look at my files here just to. Get around seventy five. It's around <laughs> seventy five thousand. Yes. Okay. Yep. I think I must have zoned out when David was talking. And did yeah. did we were we forgiven for last year's? N not yet. I have completed the okay. applications, and they're estimating it's going to take about two months to get back to us. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. 
and and do you have a, a so we had where you we've already gotten the loan for seventy five thousand for the thrift stores for ACBES, and then about how much do you ballpark is it for ACB? Uh, I think that's larger than the thrift stores, I believe. It's it's larger, but you know this loan has been in process for like three weeks, and I'm not quite sure what's holding this up because I applied for the ACBES one mm-hmm. a week and a half after I applied for ACBs. So I am guesstimating it's going to be about one hundred and fifty thousand. Okay. So between those two, it'll be about two twenty-five. That's that's really good. Yes. Oh, uh, one one other thing I need to ask while I'm doing this, Nancy. I guess I should ask you earlier in the week so I can make a motion. Cash wise, are we good? We should. Are we should. If our money comes in like it has been, we should be good. Okay. Typically, typically January. Mid through February are slower months for cash coming in, and then we start getting money in from grants that we've had um, approved, and then we start getting our convention money in. So for now, I anticipate that we should be okay. Okay. Of the money we already approved for you to move if you needed it, have you still, have you still got money you can move? Yes, I do. Okay. So, so you don't need us to move you anymore? I do not need any more moved right now. Okay. Okay. And I believe even though we haven't gotten the money yet, just more good news I'd like to share. But Eric, uh, uh, you and Nancy were sharing this this week that I think we got acknowledgments for some of our grants for 2021. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So we uh, we received uh, confirmation from J.P. Morgan Chase of a $70,000 grant. that They've been funding us at that amount for the last probably three to four years. Uh, so sponsorships for convention, DC leadership conference, as well as other uh, capacity building activities uh, going to the to that seventy thousand dollars, and then I believe uh, Jolyn and Nancy, uh, Tony, what four thousand dollars came in from the was it Delta Gamma Foundation? Yes, correct. For, uh, uh, for funding of uh, the I believe the Braille Forum, correct? That's correct. Correct. Cool. And That's then right. the the Gibney uh, Foundation. So. All of that stuff hit on Friday, February 12th. Um, all three of those things happened the same day. It was pretty cool Friday. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so the um, grants, I had to sign grants. So hopefully we'll be getting that most of that money in the next two to three weeks. Good, good, good. So right. is it, this is Jeff, is it fair to say that despite our expansion, we certainly would hope to have another year where we would be, uh, if not in the black, at least not losing anything. Is that a fair hope? That would be fair to say, yes. Okay. You know, never I mean, the, never the budget, know with the stock market. Yeah. But our budget is what a, a negative. 120, 130, somewhere in there. It's about, it's about 130. That's the target. Yes. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that that uh, didn't include the second PPP loans. That's correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> Thanks, David. <laughs> Most certainly. All right. Any other questions for David and Nancy? 
smile on my face. This is really, oh, one, really one good. One other thing, yes. Dan. Uh, yes. I want to I want to always acknowledge Nancy's hard work. Uh, late night Saturdays, you know, I hear from her all the time. So I do appreciate everything she does, and uh, we all should. She's a great employee. She's a great asset to ACB and a good friend. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, and we don't have Michael Garrett on the agenda today for ACBES, but is there anything there from the thrift stores, Nancy, while we've kind of, we were on this kind of topic to, to report uh, moving forward? I, I know we our thrift stores are both now opening and functioning well, right? Yes. So the Lubbock Thrift Store is has been meeting the sales budget for the last couple of months. Um, the Amarillo store, we just changed store managers. The new person started this last week. And so he's um, trying to getting his feet with wet with uh, thrift stores, with the, with the thrift store retail. And I do anticipate that that store's um, sales will start picking up. He is a social media person. So I assume that he will be getting information out so that you can have the younger the younger, I call it the younger kids coming into the store because those, that's where your money is at. And really from the previous manager, it was kind of a good news story that she basically took the position she had uh, at our Amarillo store and kind of leveraged that into an even better position. So that's, I think that's a good story. Speaking of thrift stores, um, are we aware, were any of our thrift stores affected by the uh, events in Texas uh, oh, yes. over the past week? Yes, they were. <laughs> the stores were closed on Sunday, Monday. I think one of they did shorter hours on Tuesday and Wednesday just so they didn't have to call the second shift in. Um, they should be back up to normal where they were before. Uh, the, the hours should be back up to normal. Um, any no. any issues with water damage or anything like that? I know some places had pipes bursting and things like that. So no, I had talked to the store manager um, Friday last week. Um, the Lubbock store does not have any um, plumbing that's on the outside of the building, so I was not worried about that. But in the Amarillo store, I told them to not turn the faucets on wide open, but turn the faucet so that the water was running. All the time, so that the um, so the you pipes gave would not you freeze. gave them some Minnesota advice for Texas. Very I good. I did. I did. <laughs> Very good. Now they, the right. Amarillo store did lose electricity over um, one of one of the overnight one of the nights, but it came on before the store opened up. Okay, so good, good, Very good. and certainly glad and now to hear. They, now, now they think what now they think twenty five is a heat wave. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and and the most important thing, it sounds like our people are all okay. So that, that's yes. important. Thank you. Yes. All right. Thank you, Nancy and David. Any other questions? If not, we'll move on. Again, wonderful news. Thank you so much. Uh, all right. Item number 10 on the agenda uh, is brought to us by Jeff Bishop. Bishop. Excuse me, Jeff Bishop. Uh, he uh, and I have spoke several times, and these are some proposals for changes to our board policies. So, uh, Jeff, I'll let you take it away. You know, we had a we had a really great day of training yesterday, and uh, these two items really sort of speak to some things that I have been thinking about, and um, there are things that have come up in the organization in the past. And um, I'm hoping that uh, we can work toward a, a, a potential compromise as well as moving forward in these two ideas. We have a lot of people in this organization who are willing and wanting to serve. 
one of the biggest concerns is the financial issue that represents for people to be able to do that. It costs a lot of money and lots of us are, are fortunate that we can afford to do that or we can take advantage of the limited stipends that are available to board members to be able to get some help to be able to accomplish this. We've learned over the past year due to COVID that we can and be very effective at it, work as a board remotely. So I have two suggestions. One, allow board members to attend the fall board meeting virtually or remotely. This would lessen the load and financial burden on individuals hoping or wishing or wanting to serve within this organization. Dan and I did discuss the national convention as well as our leadership meetings, and we still feel that those are probably two meetings that we would strongly encourage board members to be present at. My second proposal is to increase the stipend for board member participation so that we can provide more support to individuals that may need it. So, uh, and I think, um, Dan, you had a number for the stipend increase, I think, that you were interested in potentially uh, yeah, and I, throwing out. Yeah, I'd love out. to have a discussion on that. But, yeah. um, <clears throat> Jeff, I thank you for bringing both of these yeah. uh, up for discussion. Um, as uh, I'm sure some of you as board members and officers have reached out, I've tried to do some intentional due diligence and reach out to people that I think would be excellent board members, but they're, uh, they're, they're women, they're people of color. And as, as you look at our current, um, constitu- uh, uh, you know, kind of organizational structure for our board, just to remind you, we have 16 members, uh, 11 of them are, are male, uh, five are women, uh, 13 are basically what I would say blind, totally blind. Three have low vision, and uh, all 16 uh, are, are white Caucasian, and, and none are people of color. So that's, that is our current makeup of our board. Um, and reaching out to people, one of the key barriers, and this is where Jeff and I uh, are really coming from here, is the cost of being a board member. And for all of us who have been board members, especially for several years, it truly is an annualized expense of, I believe, between three and $5,000 to be on our board. And for many people, that is cost prohibitive. Uh, also, in item number one, especially as we try to reach out to folks that are uh, uh, a little younger and still in the middle of their working careers, it's a lot to ask people to give up their vacation time, not only to attend a, a uh, fairly you know, week-long convention, but also you know, it has now turned into a three or four-day DC leadership conference, maybe even five, depending on how far you have to travel to get there. And then asking people at the fall board meeting, which truly, even though it's a luxury, a luxury and a nice thing to be able to see the venue where we are going to have our convention the next year. From a pure board of directors standpoint, it really is a, a workshop, an afternoon workshop and a day meeting. 
uh, which could be attended very easily virtually. Uh, there's no, you know, follow on true in-person activities. So I think I'd like to take these proposals one at a time, Jeff, if that would be okay with you. Um, Absolutely. For you to uh, make a motion uh, that we amend our board policy to allow uh, board members of our ACB board of directors to participate virtually as an option if they so wish for our fall board meeting. So moved. I'll second it. Uh, boy, someone want to speak a little bit louder on the give second? Give it to Kim. Kim, yeah, give, it, give to Kim. it to Kim. Okay. Kim, <laughs> I like done that. Enough. I'm taking this one. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. So Jeff has motioned. Kim has seconded. I'd allow, now like to open this, uh, this motion up for discussion. So, Mr. Pr- Mr. Pr- go ahead. Right, right, we're going to let somebody else go first, Ray. Okay. You please do. Please okay. do. This is Jeff, and I, I I'll vote for this, but I really wish we had decided on the extent of the other part of the motion first, because I strongly feel, you know, if I had my way, all board expenses would be authorized. People wouldn't have to take them, but they'd be authorized. Even with our reserves, we could do it, even though it would make a hole. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it ought to be to open things up for all people to serve on this board. Conversely, although I am not against allowing people to not attend one board meeting a year, I think it's more important than ever, especially if we're trying to get people who may have a little less institutional knowledge um, than others that we you know that they that they are able to network at these board board meetings and become better board members more quickly. So I'm not opposed to it, but I would really prefer. I guess I'm a little old school. I would really prefer that they do attend these meetings. But to make them do that, we need to change our stipend policies dramatically. Right, and and the reason I broke them up and and I. Well, we've got a motion on the floor in a second, but this is this is a combination of both financial uh, restrictions and, and and really work-life balance of whether people have time to make a third cross-country trip in a year. So, um, yes, yeah. And who was uh, Katie? Katie, yes, please, Katie. So I I support this motion, and I think to Jeff Tom's point about you know, networking and stuff. I think there are ways that we can do that virtually as well. Um, I know that other boards I sit on have done kind of like a, hey, let's have a board happy hour. Um, You know, we come on Zoom and just kind of go around and share, you know, it might be a a topic or it might just be a, you know, hey, tell us something about yourself that we don't know or, or whatever, um, but I think I think to Jeff Tom's point about the networking, which is is great, and there is nothing, there is no replacement for in person networking. I do agree, mm-hmm. but I think I think a form of networking and mentoring can certainly be done virtually, um, and so I just want us to think about that as well as we uh, move forward in this discussion. But I, I do support this this motion. Thank you, Katie. Uh, Mr. Uh, President. Yeah, go ahead, Ray. Okay. Um, I fully support this and would urge you all to do so as well. Um, we have 
not only have we as an organization and as a board proven that we can work very well together remotely and get things done uh, really as a whole organization, but uh, any of you, anybody who works in any, whether you're in corporate or uh, other lines of work um, has had to do the same thing. And companies are saying that this working remotely is probably going to be part of the new normal going forward. Um, a, a lot of executives, I will tell you that our chief digital officer before the pandemic was very anti-work at home. It's like, there's no way you can do that. There's no way you can be productive. I won't say she's turned 180 degrees, but she's come cl darn close to it. And I think, I, I think this kind of thing is going to be kind of the new normal. And I think at least uh, you know, allowing folks to, Participate virtually uh, one meeting a year uh, is something I, I would like to see a virtual option made available for all meetings, especially, you know, especially for those that have extenuating circumstances that they can't get off work or can't afford to attend. I, I, I'd like to see it done a little bit more, uh, but I will certainly support this and I would urge all the rest of you to do so as well. This Thank is you, Ray. Uh, Ray. Go ahead, Doug. Doug, and then who was after? Oh, Je Jeff. I wanted to speak to Ray's comment, if I could. Okay, and then Doug, you'll be next. Go ahead, Jeff. Ray, this actually got brought up uh, by by me. I actually would love to see uh, all of the meetings, um, excluding the national convention, of course, um, be allowed to be attended virtually. But I think uh, that we have to take baby steps here, and yeah, we do. Uh, I think um, this is one step in in that direction. But I do believe that that day is coming where um especially with the what i foresee is the majority of our members actually will be participating in conventions digitally anyway moving forward i think uh, at least that's a really strong possibility uh i i just see that uh coming uh forward eventually yep. thank you all right and then uh doug I'm going to be a radical, the radical on this one. Um, I think that either we're going to do it all virtual or all, all in person. I have been a virtual participant in, um, in meetings where most of the people had gathered and it is not the same experience. It is, it, it, it is not the same. Your, uh, your participation is not the same. And people's uh, acknowledgement of your presence is not the same. Um, I, I think that uh, I, I love the other one about uh, increasing the stipend. I think that I think that's more, more much more important than um, than yeah, doing yeah. Um, it, than doing this one. Um, if if people want to. So for convention, for example, if people want to participate uh, virtually, that, that is not the same thing as conducting business. And um, that, you know, if they want to do it that way, that, that's their choice. However, I don't think that the business of our organization is the same experience when some people are in person and some people are virtual. Okay. So I actually will not be voting for this. Okay, just, and just to clarify, I think you you're 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 there, but this is strictly for the fall uh, fall board meeting. Right, yep. I understand yep. that. Okay, just okay, good. All right, thank you, Doug. Uh, Mr. Chair, other comment? Uh, yes, Denise. 
I too support this um, motion. And um, to Jeff Tom's point, one of the things that we might want to think about, because I'm assuming we don't do this at this point, um, you know, I know we have the orientation packet up on the um, in the board drop box for board members, but we might want to think about doing a new member orientation um, prior to the per, new members first uh, board meeting that they're going to attend, um, where some of these things could be talked about in terms of some of the history and institutional things. And we might even want to incorporate and include new BOP members, because I think it is just as important that they have this information. Thank you, Denise. Uh, Mr. President? Yes, Jim Crott. Um, I, uh, Mr. Bishop, was going to support this motion, but after listening to the comments that have gone down, I think there's a significant difference between some people attending virtually and some people attending in person and all people attending virtually or all people attending in person. Um, I participated in my first board meeting, uh, recovering from surgery um, remotely. Uh, it was simply not the same experience. Um, I too agree with Jeff, Tom, um, and others that it is imperative that we address this issue by dealing with the board stipend situation. But I think that's a far different issue than conducting our business with some people being in person and some people not being in person. So I will support a board stipend increase, and I will support that increase to be substantial with our reserves being what they are and with me being as conservative and anti-spending as you all know I am because I think it's necessary that we grow our board membership, and I think this is a significant obstacle to board participation. But I think to allow our meetings to be half virtual and half live uh, is a, a mistake. And I think we should not look to conserve our assets of growing that stipend by moving away from requirement of a live participation. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. And I will just say that the the challenge of hybrid conventions is one and hybrid meetings is one that we are going to have to deal with uh, in many places uh, beyond our board meetings. Uh, uh, Janet and Rick and Debbie and several of us have already had these conversations related to conventions because we are for forevermore, uh, once we get back in person, I think going to be in a hybrid world where we're going to have to learn how to participate in person and include those that are participating virtually. And I will say you are right. It, it is a technique that we have not mastered yet. 
uh, as being someone who's been on the outside of those in, in work meetings where a whole bunch of people are in a conference room and you're the one or two people on a phone, that mm-hmm. approach doesn't work. So it's going to require us to rethink our, our technology and how we participate in a hybrid world because it's, it's, it's something we're all going to have to deal with here in the very near future. So Dan? thank you for those comments. Yes, Kim. Yes. Um, I support this um, motion. And I, I think that something we should think about is if, if I'm not correct, correct me, but this would not take place until 2022 fall. Correct. Because well, it's a change in policy, so I would think it well, could. Well, I mean, the policy could, would go into effect, but haven't we already um, decided well, that we're not meeting in person? Uh, no, I think right now, at least this the plans year? are, uh, at least the last I talked to Janet, we are meeting the weekend of October 9th in Omaha right now. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I yeah. thought we had had a conversation. Maybe that was in my dreams. I guess it was. <laughs> All right. Well, well, then I support this even more because I don't think we're ready to have a face-to-face meeting in 2021. For everybody. There will be some people for every that, human that, being, and I for, think it probably needs to be on our agenda at some point soon. Yeah. Because yeah. I just don't think that we're going to be ready yeah. to, to take yeah. that step. I mean, we're barely going to have things in place as far as vaccines and travel and all that kind of stuff. And it, I think it'll be pushing the envelope a little bit, but yeah. that's not what we're talking, <laughs> talking about. <laughs> no, but, but that will be the first so, test be, because I mean, it be, could be, it could yeah. be, but, yeah. but I think Ray is, is correct in his, his analysis that more and more um, businesses and organizations are using technology like zoom to, to do this kind of thing and doing it very successfully. And there's no reason that ACB shouldn't be able to do it. I mean, we've proven we can do a lot of things with Zoom and there's no reason that we can't hold a board meeting. Um, I think it has a uh, more significant impact on our contractor who would have to travel regardless and manage this kind of a situation, both in person and Zooming. But again, that's to be worked out. But um, I think I think that this is a valuable motion. I think it gives us some flexibility, and I think it expands the possibilities for others to be part of this board in the future. So, Dan, thank you, Kim. Is that Jeff? <clears throat> yeah. Um, yes, Jeff. Can I amend this to to uh, uh, say that it is highly encouraged that people attend. Uh, with the incre- assuming that we will increase the stipend, however, a, a virtual or remote option is a possibility on request. I, yeah, I, I really think that's I think that's the general that's spirit the of this. Yeah, we, we, I, I want to make that clear. Wanna, yeah, yeah, we just don't want to hold it against somebody that you right. Know, right now we kind of only say, well, if you're sick or incapacitated, then yeah. you can lay there in your bed in middle of pain and participate in our board meeting. But otherwise, you need to be there in person. This is hey, listen, I attended a board meeting coming out of surgery. So what do you, you know, <laughs> go, go figure. Yeah, I know several of you all have. And so, and so I, I think that this is just saying that th- th- this, should, this is a, an, an option to not uh, uh, 
you know, to not limit people that are in a work-life balance issue. So, okay, others. All right, it sounds like we may have a little bit of a split vote here, but let us call the question then if everybody's ready. All those in support of this motion signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. No. Okay, I believe the motion has passed. Uh, Doug, I you heard you no. Oh, oh, I, oh, I, okay, I'm sorry, I thought I did, and Doug's, okay, let me, all those, those, all those opposed signify by saying no. 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 Okay. It passed. It passed. Mm -hmm. Dude, That's two, no, two no's. Do, yeah, do those who voted no or abstained wish to be recorded as so in the meeting minutes? Yes. Yes. I'll be, in, I'm an abstention. Okay, so uh, Jeff Tom. In this day, but I'm an abstention. Okay, so David Trott and, and Jeff Tom are. Abstentions. Abstentions. Abstentions, yes. <laughs> I was trying to, it, was, it wasn't coming across <laughs> real clear on the, on the Zoom. Abstentions. And uh, Jim Crott and Doug Powell are no's. Thank you. And the rest of the board is yes. So. Katie, if you're, we've got it in the re record, but uh, yeah. recording, hopefully. So, thank you. All right, now let's move on to uh, motion number two um, related to this. Uh, I will say in background, I asked uh, Nancy uh, Marks Becker, our CFO, to do a little research for us. Uh, there's been four or five board meetings we had since we changed you, the stipend. Do you want to kind of run through actually, that real quick just to give? Yes. Do you want me to read the Do you want me to read the motion where we changed it and the last time we changed it and then talk about who's utilized the um, yeah, not, not stipend? people's names, not but people's just, names, just numbers, just numbers. Yes, please. Yeah. Okay, so October of eighteen, the board recommended that the stipend be increased to five hundred dollars per board meeting. To receive the board stipend, each officer, director, or the board of publication member must submit their receipts for travel, lodging, and meals to ACB's chief financial officer. If the actual receipts are below the $500 stipend, reimbursement will be for the actual expenses incurred to attend the board meeting. So since that increase has happened, in 2018, there are four individuals who requested the, the stipend. In 2019, the February meeting, three people requested the stipend. At the 2019 convention, two people requested the stipend. And the fall board meeting of 2019, four people requested it. And the February 2020 board meeting, three people requested it. So it's averaging about four or three people from every, from every board meeting. Right. So we, you know, when we had raised it to 500, we had this concern that if all 16 board members took advantage of that and what that cost would be and budgeted it such. And then I think Nancy, as she's gotten real numbers in, that budgeted amount has declined over the last uh, year or so. So um, Nancy and I had a little bit of conversation on this of what uh, at least she likes to track. So uh, Jeff, uh, let me get a little background and then we can make the official motion. But working with Nancy, she receives, uh, you know, airline receipts or transportation receipts, I should say in general. Typically, they're airline receipts. In addition to that, there's ground transportation to and from 
you know, the airport or train or however you're, you're doing your, your larger mass uh, transit. Uh, hotel rooms. Uh, uh, Nancy said for others that we reimburse hotel rooms for, we typically uh, re- reimburse for a, a half of a hotel room. In other words, you, you typically, uh, the organization would cover based on double occupancy where you would have a roommate. Or if you wanted to do it yourself, you would cover half of the amount and the other half would be covered by ACB. And then there's, uh, I, I call it per diem, but money uh, aside, set aside for meals, uh, excluding events where ACB covers your meal. So a lot of times, if we have a fall board meeting, we'll cover a breakfast. Sometimes we'll take everybody, it will provide lunch. So we wouldn't have per diem associated with meals uh, that are already being covered by ACB for reimbursement. So it would be transportation, uh, hotel lodging based on double occupancy, and uh, per diem expenses where appropriate. So that would be at least the categories that Nancy would feel comfortable as our CFO per our travel guidelines to cover. Um, And then uh, the second question is, what do we want that stipend to be? Um, I have heard two numbers uh, thrown out there, $800 a meeting and $1,000 a meeting. I think the question is, if you cover those categories, there'll be you know a limit of what what those expenses will add up to. Um, so that's kind of the data information that I have right there. But uh, Jeff, if you would like to make a motion, and then other people may want to amend it or second it, and we can have that conversation. So Jeff, sure, I'd like to uh, propose that we uh, amend uh, the amount provided at each board meeting at the $800 value uh, to increase from $500 per board meeting. This is Denise, I second. And are you comfortable with it covering transportation plus yes. transportation yes. to support the mm-hmm. major transportation yep. plus double occupancy hotel and per, an appropriate per diem? Yes. Okay. And Denise, are you comfortable with that as a second? Yes. Okay. So, Great. so trend, um, we're just talking about ground transportation. We're not talking about no airfare and ground transport. So, oh, okay. so, right. so let's say you left your home, you went to the airport, you flew to Chicago, you, you flew. So it cover ground transportation from your home to your home airport, airfare round trip to the to Chicago to the convention, and then ground transportation once you got to Chicago from the airport to the venue like Schaumburg. Yes. Yeah. yes, I'm comfortable. Okay. Uh, all right. Discussion. Mr. President. Yes, sir. Jim Crott. <laughs> um, we kind of made it feel like we put the cart before the horse last time with the other motion. Um, I kind of feel a little bit like that with this one. Um, with all due respect to the maker and seconder of the motion, um, I dare say that $800 doesn't really, in most instances, 
cover all of these expenses. And I, I would have started at 1250, but I would rather see us start at a thousand dollars and amend the motion. And if that were to fail, then drop down to the $800 amount. I, I consider that friendly. Okay, so Jim Crott has uh, asked for a friendly motion to go to 1000 The motioner, Jeff, has agreed. The seconder is Denise. Yes. Denise has also agreed. So the, now the motion on the table is for the amount to be $1,000. All right. Do I have yes, this is any Doug. other conversation? Thank you, Jim. Uh, Doug. Uh, I, this is like a, an auction. Um, I... I, <laughs> I, 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 I in my world, um, and I don't think I'm ex exorbitant. Um, usually, I, I would budget fifteen hundred. So, um, you know, up to fifteen hundred. Um, if we're really serious about getting people there who uh, have trouble uh, with travel, uh, you know, travel expenses, then uh, you know, I, I, um, only having to pay for half of the hotel room. Um, or only being, you know, yeah, only having, if, if they have to pay for the hotel room for a couple of nights, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that, I guess, but uh, I would, I would go up to $1,500. All right. That's too high. So, um, Doug is asking for a for, friendly for amendment. A weekend, I don't know for a weekend, no um, you know, with, with, uh, with airfares. Um, I don't think that's out of the question, Dan. <clears throat> I think I yeah. think that the that the purpose of of the stipend is not necessarily to replace the entire cost of someone being a participant on the board. Um, I think it is it is something that we would like to to try to cover the majority of the cost for some people, but if it's going to cost someone, say, you know, ninety nine dollars a night for two nights. Um, I, I don't think that's an unreasonable uh, expectation. Um, most airfare uh, is not going to run you seven hundred or eight hundred dollars uh, to fly wherever. I mean, that's generally not true um, if you if you shop around. So, I yeah, I, there, there was a little thing that you know you. you Gosh, human behavior is so interesting because mm -hmm. if you if you make it too high, then you then you have people who wait to the last minute to book their airfare. Right, exactly. There's no exactly there. There's no incentive to look for discount fares. Right, so right. it's it's a really hard thing here, guys. But a thousand is doubling where we're at now, which is a significant. Yeah. We can always revisit this and go up. We, it's harder yeah. to go down, guys. Yeah. 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 Okay, but uh, this is Jeff. So okay, Jeff. And Jeff, then Tom, I'm, I'm, I'm going to vote for this. Yes, uh, I'm going to vote ahead, for Jeff. this. But but I will say that when we originally talked about this, when it came up yesterday, the idea was to make it affordable for anyone, mm -hmm. whatever their income, whatever their you know means, to get on this board. So right. if we're if we were totally being true to our goal. We would say what whatever your expenses really were, double occupancy. Yeah, I totally agree with all that. Um, that's what we'd pay. 
but but this is uh, such a, a dramatic increase that I'm not going to you know bicker about it. But I, I don't know that I agree with Jeff totally on on the comment he just made. Okay. Mr. President. Oh, hold on. We are you David, David and then Ray. Okay, yeah. go ahead, David. Okay, I, I realize that Nancy gave us pictures, and they are for the present board. Uh, what we do have to can take into consideration is that we are dramatically increasing this. Uh, you know, if we go with a thousand, which I'm fine with, I'm, I'm not opposed to the motion. Let me say that. But you, you've got to look at the fact that more people may take it. And if they do, then, um, you know, you could have a maximum expense here of $48,000 a year. So, so what? I say uh, so. So well, <laughs> let, let me, let me finish here. Uh, okay. I, I don't disagree with that. I, I just want people to be aware that this is where we are and a thousand dollars is a good starting point and we can work with it and move forward. Because I think, I think there was a time in ACB when the thrift stores were doing about a million dollars a year that we paid all the board expenses. I'd like to be in the queue. Unfor- for one unfortunately, more I wasn't on the board then, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, but realistically guys, it, it, we really do. I pointed out the $48,000 just to give you an amount. Uh, but we really do need to do this because there are people out there that I know in the past that, you know, the board expense per year has, uh, you know, kept them out of the running and they do have a good skill set and would have made good board members. Thank you, David. And then Ray, and then I think Jeff asked for yeah, thank you. So. I will, um, <clears throat> I will vote for this as well, uh, considering the amount of the increase, the dub- basically a doubling of the stipend. I, I know for me, and this is probably granted. This is coming from the middle. Oh, hello. <laughs> this is coming. My clock. I, I thought it was cutting me off, Jim. <laughs> um, coming from the central part of the country, you know, my perspective is probably a little different than, say, someone going from the west coast to the east. I, but having said that, I, I, I can do pretty well going to a board meeting on a thousand dollars. However, um, I am in the camp that really, if we're going to ask people and elect people to serve and ask people to serve, we really ought to be paying all of their travel and living expenses is what we ought to be doing. Um, However, I will support this. Thank you. Okay. And Jeff? Dan, I want to clarify something here. I I, I think as board members, we have a fiduciary responsibility to be aware of our budgets. We are going 130,000 negative this year with due to the COVID uh, situation. If we were in a situation where things were better financially, I w- of course I would support that. I think that that we can always go up. It's always a possibility to increase the stipend. So yes, in in you know in an ideal world, I would love to cover one hundred percent of all of the expenses for someone to attend the board meeting. And in fact, I would probably just go ahead and pay them for you know have just have every week and get paid their expenses here but i think it it's it's a doubling of the stipend um it's it's something that i think that is is a good effort here to move the ball forward um it does keep in mind our current budget situation and next year we can revisit it and if we need to go up to 250 or someone wants to you know move that direction i would probably support that under different economic situations so that's that's my stand on that 
All right. I, I it, think I'm going to whoop. If, do we have anybody else? I'll, otherwise, Dan, I'll go ahead. Yeah, one, one more thing. Oh, oh. Go, on, go ahead, Dan Dillon, because uh, uh, I, I would just I would just like to say, I think the goal here is to encourage more of our members to run for the board. Yes. And I think this is a huge step in the right direction. And I, I think we ought to go with it. All right, Doug. Yeah, I, I just I, I would suggest that we monitor how many people are still feel the need to attend a board meeting virtually. So I think, you know, we've, you know, we've sort of set this up as a, a duality there. Um, and so, you know, it, we'll have to monitor to see, you know, if people are, are not, are still not taking um, the thousand uh, dollar and doing it virtually instead. And then we can uh, adjust accordingly. Good. All right. All right. Dan, Michael Taylor here. Oh, yeah, hey, go ahead, Michael. Yeah, Dan, and then Pat Sheehan has a question. Pat, Pat yeah. okay, Michael Frickland. and then Pat. Okay, I'm trying to get the call into I'm question, so sorry, but I'm trying to be respectful. Yeah. Yes, I, I, Michael I, and Pat, I, go right I was ahead, afraid sir. You were going there. Yeah. I, I'm so sorry. I just I, I hadn't spoke up. I, I just want to say that when I was running for the board, um, I really appreciate David Chalk coming to me and being very brutally honest about the son, you realize this is going to cost you X number of dollars a year. And I remember that. And at the same time, I knew some very talented people uh, that would be good to run for the board that I would, but wouldn't be able to do it financially. I'm just appreciate us taking the step. I know it's not as far as we need to go, but I do think this is a very healthy step into making it our board inclusive to everyone. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Michael and Pat. And are we including BOP in this? We have a BOP uh, rep that comes. Oh yeah, the, the the sure the BOP representative honor board most certainly. Yes. Okay. 100%. Just wanted to clarify that. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And right. this is Clark. Oh, yes, Clark. Great. I, and I'm not going to comment on the, the dollar figure. I don't have the, the insight or knowledge there as, I, as our board does. I just wanted to uh, thank everyone for considering this um, these motions with the, the conversations that we were having about uh, diversity and inclusion and being an organization and having leadership. Uh, that is representative of our members and the broader community. I think that these are both important steps to take. So again, just thank you to the board for considering these steps. Mr. Thank President, you. Tony, as well, real quick. Y yes, please, Tony. Just very briefly as well. This will help us in, I think, reporting to foundations um, in knowing that we're taking this step. So this, uh, you know, this looks, uh, a lot of foundations look toward ways that boards can be more equitable. And this helps. Thank you. Yeah. With that, you. I would call the question. Can, can I add something, Dan? Most certainly, Nancy. The I'm staff sorry. is excited. <laughs> I am fired up here. Go ahead. No. Yes, Nancy. Be, beyond the numbers that I've given, there it, people over the years have had their financial situations change. So most people don't ask for the stipend, but when they get into a financial situation where one, you know, if they have a spouse, the spouse isn't working, or they have health issues, then they've asked for it. So people are only really have been asking for the stipend when they need it. There's a lot of people that provide the receipts to me and just say, I do not need a stipend. Right. 
Thank you. Now, Nancy, this may cause your uh, board in-kind donations to go down a little bit, just so you're <laughs> no, that, that, is, that is totally separate. So I do the board in-kind donations, and uh, then there is a stipend that's given on top of that. So oh, 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 no, I understand. Stay. I was just, I was just saying. Yeah, that's just, okay, Dan. I have your credit card. No big thank deal. Thank you. Yeah, no, yeah, thank you. All right. I think on that point, I'm going to go ahead and call the question. So all those in favor of the motion signify by saying yes. 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 Opposed? Yes. All right. Hearing no opposition. Thank you all so much. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. For uh, considering these motions. And Jeff, thank you you for bringing these forward. For bringing them forward to the board. So, so Dan, Dan, before we move forward, can I ask a question here or make a request? Uh, Yeah, uh, David and then Eric. So go ahead, David. Oh, okay. Um, what I think we ought to do at this point now, if we're really going to try to be more inclusive, is put together a packet where people can request it of board expectations as far as finances and what we do reimburse for. Because, you know, there's a lot of other things. We, we ask. I think that they need to know what the ask are. You know, like we ask for auction donations. That's a great suggestion. Board donations. Yes. And, uh, it, it's kind of embarrassing, you know, it would be to me if I came on a board uh, with very low income and I was asked to make a board donation and then make two auction donations a year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, expected to buy or sell raffle tickets, participate in the walk. You know, we're expected to do this as board, whether we all do it or not, uh, you know, but it, it just needs to be something that people are aware of. Agree. Yeah. So, so, David, are you saying just like a document that, Kind of like List a one page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I think that would be really good to send out to the board and also make available uh, even on our website. I think it would be excellent. Yeah. Uh, one other thing, too, so, that they are expected to attend them, you know, the, the full line of expectations, just so it yeah. fit on the sheet, you know. Yeah. And, and Eric? Yeah. So now that we've adopted this, how do we communicate it? Right. Yeah. So, and, oh, and, and, this this is only is, is right now it's just going to be on a sheet of paper or residing in in uh, board meeting notes right so for this to have the intended effect it needs to be communicated um there needs to be some messaging behind this likely uh you know as oh. as part of the oh, voting rollout or uh the, with the BOP and candidates forum or something um, yeah, Dan yeah, I'm sorry, Eric. This is Penny. Um, of course, this will be communicated in the board summary, which will be in an upcoming Braille forum. Sure. And we can certainly include that information if you want us to and the candidates pages and they'll be coming out in May. I think that would be excellent. And Penny, I'd like to even broaden it a little further and ask um, you, you, you representing the BOP, but along with Kelly and Katie, that we refer this to our public awareness steering committee. And we really, I think, would like to have a communication a- around this associated wow. with, with a kind of a second quarter rock here. Yeah, that would be great. And, yeah. and I would love to see it even looking at maybe doing a community event for those interested in running for positions where we could talk to people about some Which of could things. all be part of that communications rollout. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Thank you, Eric. Exactly. Very, very good point. Uh, Katie and Kelly, are you all comfortable with that being a second quarter rock for the public awareness steering committee? 
Sure. I think this is Katie. Um, I don't know if Kelly's still on, but I think that's a good, a good one for us to take on. Um, And then I have a point of order, Dan, before we go on. Oh, sure. Please. Okay. Um, I don't think we approved the staff reports and treasurer's report. Ah, okay. Yes. yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Madam interim secretary. (laughs) Thank you so much. So, so, uh, we, we're I, done with this conversation. Let me go back and uh, mm-hmm. ask uh, for uh, agenda item number eight, uh, approval, mm-hmm. the motion to approve the staff reports. So moved. So second. Ray moves and who was the second? I, me and Jeff, I think. Jeff. I, had, Jeff uh, Tom. Whoever. Uh, I heard Jeff Tom. We'll let Jeff. Uh, thank you, Katie. Okay. Well, Jeff Tom has <laughs> the you. second. Uh, all those in favor signify by saying mm-hmm. aye. 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 Opposed? And then next we have agenda item number nine, which is approval of the uh, 2020 financial narrative presented by David Trott. I'll make the motion. This is Donna. Donna Brown's making the motion to approve. Then Doug, I believe, second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. All right. <laughs> Ten, David says I twice. Yes. Uh, all right. We've already co- uh, finished item number 10. So now we're going to move on to item number 11, which is a review and approval of the community events, policies, and guidelines. Uh, Cindy Hollis, I, uh, our membership services coordinator, is back on the line. This document was presented in your uh, board packet. Uh, Cindy, I don't think we want to read all nine sure pages, don't. but if you could uh, give an overview. And I, and I will say, and I want to thank Cindy and team for working on this. This is always a work in progress. So this is not a final, final document because policies and guidelines are always up for discussion and review. But I felt it was very important for our board uh, to be on the record that we endorse and approve the policies and procedures associated with our community events. So, Cindy? Sure. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been a work in progress. It probably started as an email out to event planners or people that are putting together a community call. And it became apparent that there needed to be some direction. So, things like turning, directing people to our code of conduct uh, and ACB core values. Uh, Those seemed like no-brainers. And as uh, things just started happening and evolving and we started growing, uh, and as you know, we're at a 375% growth in this these community activities since April to January, that's a huge growth and it means a lot more people involved, new people always coming along, uh, taking part in different aspects and wanting to create a safe, respectful and welcoming environment for everyone. These uh, have evolved into what was presented to all of you. I think some key components would be, of course, acknowledging, uh, reading and upholding the uh, core values and the code of conduct, 
and uh, then we have things like that we want at least somebody in there that's 18 that's uh, involved. Uh, we want to make sure that people are upholding Zoom guidelines and uh, being responsible. And uh, we want to make sure that everybody remains safe. And that, and then there's things along how things are submitted, and the these guidelines have gone before our attorney, and she created, uh, or she gave some suggestions. Mostly, they were just wordsmithing, uh, but gave her seal of approval, and uh, and so that's what you have before you. And I can read any part of it if you need me to. But. Any any questions about it? Does anybody need me to read the bulleted list of items? Uh, would that help? Mr. President, I just have a question. Sure, Jeff. Um, I, I don't have any real opposition to these guidelines at all. But, um, but Cindy, I, I know that there was, you know, a sort of an outpouring from people who were, had problems with it. Do you think... Um, that that the concerns were were reflected were were addressed you know are, is there still There's, is there still going to be a real you know, i don't think so i think that no. um yeah the there was uh one one group that was concerned about not using waiting room they're back on board with us uh there was some concerned about needing uh hosts that it's not even addressed in this by the way but hosts um you know being our hosts uh, going through training uh we've we've trained over 50 hosts and people have come forward and they're they continue uh so i don't think so i think uh there there's some concern about us not allowing for people to share personal information uh people would like us to find a way that uh, affiliates especially special interest affiliates would like us to find a way that they could capture the attendees that are in their events and be able to reach out to them. And I swear, I promise you, when we can do that safely, that would be really at the top of my list. I would love to see that. But we got to just maintain that, you know, safety and security of people. That's Those are the only concerns that I've really heard. Uh, I think that most of these, they've been up there and, and I haven't really, those are the only ones that I've heard concerns over. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Any anything else? So, do we need a motion to approve this? Is that yeah, where we are? Yeah, I, I and I want to just uh, you're real quick, and I want to point out that and Cindy knows this that we're also going to be working to add a few policies, as she said, around the Zoom host as well. This is more about the events and the pro. Uh, uh, the, the content of the programs and the facilitators, but there's, there's still the, more, more, this is an evolutionary process and there's still some more work to be done. The hosts, uh, there is already like, a, you know, what we're doing, the host training. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't know how much you guys, you know, what needs to be brought here other than I could certainly share with all of you, um, you know, the, the hosting guidelines, they're more mechanical stuff and, you know, things, but a lot of the stuff that's in there is also expressed here. So upholding, I mean, Donna and Ray can yep. uh, yeah. attest yeah. to that, that there's nothing in those hosting uh, guidelines that aren't in, in here. 
Uh, it's just that there's other mechanics. I personally don't know that you guys need to pass anything, uh, Dan, but I yeah. could share it with you guys. Yeah, it's, sure. it's mainly like key commands and, and right yeah. and when you know when to, how to remove somebody and why you would do that. Those kinds yeah. of things, but there it's it really is and like you know how long do you wait if a facilitator doesn't show up and yeah. those yeah. kinds of things. Um, but the the things that are in these guidelines, such as upholding the core values, upholding the code of conduct, and it also says upholding these event expectations that mm -hmm. are here, that's part of the hosting guidelines that all hosts uh, agree to. Okay. Yep. So. All right. And Donna, you were going to make a motion? I, I was going to make a motion that we um, approve this policy as presented. I'll second. It raise seconds. Any discussion? Is there a is there a grievance procedure for people who have felt like they've been uh, taken off taken off the call or you know so, uh, yeah something that has been done that prevents them from participating and they feel that it was um, uh, unwarranted. At this time, if someone, and, and it, it's happened very so rarely, uh, it's not a common occurrence. If somebody feels that they've been removed unfairly or somebody has a concern, uh, typically I'll hear from them. I always ask for hosts. It's, in, again, in the guidelines. If something occurs on a call and say they had to remove someone, they are supposed to email me to let me know that that happened uh, because then, of course, there's a chance that somebody's going to write me and say, I got removed, right? And uh, that gives us, a, then I get to know why it happened. I can share with them what occurred, the reason so that it doesn't occur again. Uh, but again, we're talking about, I, did I say 2,535 calls through January 31st? And I would say that under 10 people have been removed from a call. So but right I'm now, I'd say giving you an example that yeah, that's right, like, yeah. the official grievance policy up the chain it's would the eventually be the code of conduct. But yes. I do think there is some opportunity to build yeah. out some more in that area as well as we move forward. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Doug. Mm -hmm. uh, any other discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you, guys, and thank, thank you for your support. Thank you very Cindy. much. Thank you, Cindy. All right, guys, we just got done with uh, agenda item number 11. Uh, it is now five o'clock. Do we want to take another quick break and then try to marshal through this, or what is the pleasure of the board? Like it. How about we take a break till... 5:10, and then from that point forward, we move till we, we till get through done. it. Till we can't move anymore. <laughs> till we can't move anymore. <laughs> yes. Yeah, all right. Uh, all right. So all right. we'll be back at 5:10.